0: Greetings everyone, welcome to this edition of Storytelling Time. My name is William Porter. Ms. Karen Parker has had a notable career as a journalist. We'll get right into Ms. Parker's story. I'd like to welcome to the show today Ms. Karen Parker. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you. First of all, Ms. Parker, tell us about how you began to have an interest in journalism, and your career in that field.
1: Well, in addition to just being on my high school paper, uh, that led to my newspaper career. When the only black reporter in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, wanted to go on vacation and he couldn't find a black person to replace him, He dragged me away from my first semester at college to uh, sub for him. And that was back before they had computers. That was called the hot type days in the newspaper business. I subbed for him, and and the paper didn't fall apart, and the rest is history. Now, did this
0: occur while you were still in high school?
1: I was a freshman in college. In
0: college? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. Well... Given your apparent interest in writing, tell us about how you began to get your training as a professional journalist. That is, is this what you intended to do when you first started college?
1: No, actually, back in the time I uh, started college, which was 1961, there were very few job opportunities for black people besides teaching, uh, let's say on a professional level. Uh, in in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and my parents were both teachers, and it seemed like I was uh, going to be an English teacher whether I wanted to or not, but the Winston-Salem paper had one black reporter, and he wanted to go on vacation, and had no one to sub for him, and he was convinced from my high school newspaper work that I could do the job. So I did that uh, in a two-day, two-night crash course, and he persuaded me to go to University of North Carolina Chapel Hill to Journalism School. And that saved me from being an English teacher, which is a good thing for English students. Huh.
0: Well, you're being a little hard on yourself, but I guess you know your talents <laughs> and your limitations. <laughs> right. I understand that you kept a journal or diary of your experiences. This occurred when you first went to college. Uh, is that right?
1: Yes, when I went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill, I went down, to, when I started journalism school down there, I started, well, a little bit before that, I started keeping a journal. A reporter at the Winston-Salem paper by the name of Roy Thompson said that I should record my experiences with civil rights and my frustrations with segregation and that was a good thing because it was a way of letting off steam. There were a lot of things in those times that, is, that were not, there was nothing I could do about it, but I could let off steam on paper. And I started keeping a uh, diary at that point. And of course that diary is now in uh, the UNC Chapel Hill library and is accessible to anyone.
0: Well, great. And I will get that contact information before we finish the interview today so that anyone who would like to can get more information about your life. I'm sure there's more information in those diaries than what we can discuss in a 30-minute program. Now, what were you saying about the diary?
1: I started keeping the diaries uh, at the suggestion of a reporter friend who, it was a way of letting off steam my frustrations with the civil rights situation and my general railing against segregation of the times.
0: Yeah, I want you to know that I kept a diary as well. Well, it may not have been a diary, but a journal. I guess they're the same thing.
1: I I, I like to call it a journal. The UNC library likes to call it a diary. Okay,
0: okay. What I was going to ask you about was concerning uh, a time when there was a lot of civil unrest when you were in college back in the 1960s. And it was about the same time, actually, when I was in college, a little bit later in the decade. Tell us about your involvement with the civil unrest during that period.
1: I first got involved with picketing. I was a student at what is now UNC Greensboro, but it was Women's College of the University of North Carolina at the time. And we were picketing against uh, theaters and restaurants near campus. Uh, uh, that wouldn't, wouldn't admit blacks, and we had quite a few on on campus by that time. So um, that that was my first thing, was picketing. And then when I got down to Chapel Hill, there was another civil rights movement going on down there when I got there, and I ended up going to jail a couple of times.
0: Well, on the Chapel Hill campus... There has been quite a bit of unrest recently, especially as it relates to the Silent Sam statue protest that I'm sure you're aware of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you see any parallels between these protests that have occurred recently and what you had to deal with as an active participant in the civil unrest that was going on when you were in college?
1: No, I I I, I would not make uh, I, I wouldn't I don't consider them analogous. Uh, It was a different time, a different thing. And for anyone to stick their neck out and protest anything in in that time period was quite an event. You know, people protest all the time now. Well,
0: that's true. We live in such a polarized environment today, as you know, uh, where you're almost forced to either take one position on an issue or an opposing position with no middle ground or room for compromise. Yes.
1: And and also, people are freer to protest now. It's not as much fear of losing your job or your status in the community or being ostracized by your neighbors. It's a more open environment. Yeah. Well,
0: I can understand the problem that you had back during those days because of your race. It was a situation where Dr. Martin Luther King was on the scene and that was the people of color were concerned with during that time. But did you have any issues as a result of your gender when you were on the campus? Uh,
1: yes, because well, when I moved to uh, UNC Chapel Hill, there were very few women on campus. So uh, I stood out in two ways. I was the first African American woman to graduate from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. So the first year I was there, there was no other black woman on campus. There were some graduate students, but no undergrads. And then the next year, maybe there were another three or four. But it was a very slow start down there for women. But there were very few women on the campus. It was about 12 to 1 male at the time.
0: Uh, that's very interesting. Well, Ms. Parker, we'll take a break now. And to our listeners, stay with us, and we'll return in a minute.
2: Join Arthur of Walking by Faith, I Am, I Can, and I Will, Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr., as he discusses his successful entrepreneurial recipe and secrets to success. Dudley uses his own life story to show you how to walk by faith and make your own dreams come true. Listen to his legacy at www.patreon.com slash joe dudley senior. That's www.patreon.com slash joe dudley senior. The Dr. Joe L. Dudley Senior Legacy Project is sponsored by Every.Black. Know.net and no.com just to every dot black dot black is the new dot com
0: welcome back miss parker before the break we were talking about the challenges you had as an undergraduate at UNC now tell us a little more about the conflict going on in your own mind and the conflict is this the conflict that I'm talking about that was probably in your mind was between on the one hand getting an education and beginning a career in journalism but on the other hand, fighting in the struggle that people of color had at that time. Could you talk a, a little on that?
1: Well, one thing, Chapel Hill had a civil rights protest going on at the time, and that's when I went to jail a couple of times, and the, the main thing was trying to keep up my grades uh, and keep up with my coursework and lock time in jail at the same time, so that was kind of difficult at times, but I made it through with the be average anyway
0: well you know sometimes when you have a captive environment in that kind of situation it lends itself to study even more and that's because you're limited as far as other things you can do uh, when you're incarcerated for whatever reason and so that could actually be a benefit and apparently at least it was not a problem for you because you took advantage of your time
1: i was in jail twice The first time, I think I was there two nights, and then the second time, I think I was there one night, my parents, the dean of women and the dean of men and my parents all had a holy fit and dragged me out of there. Uh,
0: That's understandable. I'm sure you'd be just as concerned if your kids were in a similar situation. I, I would. Well this show is
1: about providing people
0: with inspiration. Uh, With that in mind to what extent do you attribute divine influence to your success at UNC as as well as your becoming a very successful professional journalist?
1: You know it's easy to say and I know a lot of people would say this but I don't have any other answer is if it were not for divine intervention I don't know how I got anything I don't know how I got a lot of things done. Uh, If it was attitude that came from somewhere i i grew up with a very healthy dose of church went church every sunday was very, very attentive to church matters and biblical matters
0: did you find yourself praying a lot because i can imagine some of the situations you found yourself in back then during those days and even if you were a novice, as far as spirituality is concerned, when you were in certain situations, you're going to try to ask for help from anywhere you can get it. And sometimes that divine help is about the only thing you can turn to at certain times.
1: I'll give you one example. One time down in Chapel Hill, we were doing a, a protest by sitting in the middle of major, we blocked every major uh, intersection going out of Chapel Hill right after a major basketball game down there. And there were a lot of very angry people, uh, uh, motorists, trying to get out of Chapel Hill, and we were preventing them from doing so. There was a lot of praying that we would not get run over or beaten over the head.
0: I can imagine that. Is there anything else you want to add as far as your time as a student, especially as a trailblazer on the campus of UNC, and in particular your work at the Journal? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I got on the journal uh, by virtue of uh, subbing for the one black reporter they had. He wanted to go on vacation, and the English teacher who usually was sub for him was not available. So I went to uh, work for him in a two-day, two-night crash course, and he, he convinced me to go to school at Chapel little, and I'm very glad that I did. And I I went on from there um, to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and from there to the Los Angeles Times, and I was there 15 years. I made it to one of the big four newspapers. That was always one of my goals. I was a career copy editor, which was, um, though I started off with some uh, early reporting, I wanted to be a copy editor. I knew I wanted to be a copy editor. So that's what I did said 15 years on a major newspaper, and that was extremely interesting because L.A. is crazy town, as you may have heard. And there was something interesting going on all the time. And then when I returned to my hometown, um, I was back on the paper from whence I started.
0: I remember you saying that you didn't want to be a teacher, but through your experience, you have wisdom. So much wisdom to impart on young people who aspire to get into the field of journalism. Do you have any advice for people of color uh, as well as for women who would like to get into this field as a career?
1: The same advice would go for everyone uh, in, initially. First of all, don't expect to make it overnight. Uh, you are not going to become a star overnight unless you're one very, very lucky person. Or one extremely, extremely exceptional person. I would say, if you're not don't have natural curiosity, and you don't like to read, don't go in this business. Save yourself time. Save your instructors and any future employees, employers, uh, time and trouble. Don't even bother, because you're going to need that to have the background that you need to be able to uh, to do your job. You do need to know things, and the people who know the most get ahead, the, uh, the better.
0: And I think what you're saying is that any person could succeed by following these principles. It doesn't have to be in journalism. It could be in any field. It be anything. A student just has to be focused right, to do well, to focus on their work, to go to their classes, etc.,
1: but in journalism, in particular, you really need a, a a general knowledge, and you can't just concentrate on say one aspect of the news. I'm interested in local news only, but I don't like foreign news or I don't like national news. Can't do that. But they do overlap, and you are expected to know, and and you're supposed to keep up with what's going on. So I'm a news junkie, you know. I have cable TV news on almost. All the time.
0: Well, I know people like that who want to keep up with the news, and certainly there is enough in the news today to digest and make comments on, or to have opinions about. Miss Parker, when I was talking to you before, I remember you were telling me about uh, a Mickey Mouse story, and as I remember, it was very hilarious. And how how does that connect with uh, what we we're talking about as far as uh, your activity and your? involvement with the uh, with civil unrest, as we've talked about already uh, during the 1960s, especially when you were in college.
1: Well, Mickey Mouse got me into civil rights. When I was a little kid, I was about five years old, I could read. And there was a, a Mickey Mouse, a live Mickey Mouse Donald Duck event at the local theater. And my mother, I, I could read, I said, Mom, I want to go to this. And she said, you can't go. Cause, and I said, why not? And she said, we're Negro. And I uh, went, okay, but I want to go. And I so, said, but you're not allowed to go because you're Negro. And that was my first uh, realization about being <laughs> Negro and black. I mean, you know, I, and the limitations <laughs> that came with it. So it, it, I still get mad about Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> right, but Mickey Mouse got me going in the whole civil rights thing.
0: So let's go ahead and take another break. We'll finish up the show when we return. All right.
2: The Dr. L. Dudley Senior Legacy Project is currently underway to document the legacy and lifetime impact of this legendary businessman, haircare entrepreneur, and humanitarian. Tune in to hear the stories of how one man trained, mentored, and impacted the lives of thousands. Visit www.patreon.com slash joe dudley senior and be inspired to walk by faith and make your own dreams come true. The Dr. Joe L. Dudley Senior Legacy Project is sponsored by Every Dot No.net and no.com. Just every dot is the new com.
0: Welcome back. I'd like to say that I really appreciate you, Ms. Parker, for being with us today to give us some insight on your background, especially as a trailblazer in academia, that part of academia which deals with journalism. And by the way, I'd like to let our listeners know that it was your son who recommended you to be on the show, and he happens to be the person doing the recording. So I'd like to thank you, Jonah, for having your mother... Uh, on the broadcast today. I know he's hiding somewhere back in the studio. I don't see him at the moment. But let me just say, and as I said before the break, I think that a student in any area of study can take your advice by being focused on their studies and not to be distracted by things that might come into their path. Would you agree
1: with that? I agree with that. Is it all right if I give you an example of uh, r- running ag- against, up against some um, um, difficult times? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, after starting, I, I did well starting off in Winston-Salem. I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I did well there. And when I finally made it to the big time, to the Los Angeles Times, I did not hit major opposition professionally, personally and everything, until I got on the big newspaper. And I got it from several directions. I got it for being a woman. I got it for being uh, a black. Uh, It just seemed to be coming from all around. And my coworkers, their attitude was uh, sink or swim. And they let me sink until I was able to swim on my own. And once I passed that test, they decided to associate with me. But um, that was really the toughest time I had was uh, starting at the L.A. Times. Not
0: only that, but it was challenging going from, I presume, North Carolina to the West Coast. Quite a distance, not to mention having to adapt to a large city like Los Angeles.
1: Well, uh, I had been in L.A. a little while. Um, My son was born there. He was born in Hollywood. And he was about 10 years old when I went to the L.A. Times. I'd been doing some freelancing, uh, editing and freelance writing uh, while he was growing up. So um, after that, that was when I really resumed my newspaper career.
0: Are you still affiliated with the journal in some capacity at this point now?
1: Uh, no, just I'm just an alumna.
0: That's fine. You're enjoying the fruits of your labor from all the years spent providing that service.
1: I am really enjoying retirement.
0: Well, I share that with you, as a matter (laughs) of fact. In closing, Ms. Parker, let me mention this before we finish. You know I'm a product of the 1960s as well, and the music that occurred during that time I remember vividly, and much of the music related to a lot of the civil unrest that was occurring at that time. Is there any song that you recall that had a special meaning to you, a song that may have summarized that period of time, especially when you were at UNC?
1: We called them freedom songs then. We'd sing them before we went out to get arrested. You know, got everybody uh, um, in a good mood for getting arrested. (laughs) And uh, one of my favorites, my favorite was Oh Freedom, Oh Freedom Over Me. Before I'll be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. That was my absolute favorite one.
0: Well, I don't know whether that would be classified as a a freedom-type song or a gospel song, but uh, certainly it was something that was representative of that period.
1: Yeah, we sort of adapted it to uh, the civil rights situation. All right. As I said...
0: Thank you for being with us today. And if someone would like to reach you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Parker at triad.rr.com
0: Well, we're out of time. And we'll see you back here next week. And remember, more good things are coming your way.
2: Suffering with a speech impediment labeled mentally retarded and held back in the first grade, Dr. Joe L. Dudley Sr. defied all the odds and became one of the most influential health and beauty industry icons the world has ever seen. Be motivated encouraged, and inspired as you listen to how one man turned his struggles into strategies and his shortcomings into success. Listen to his legacy at www.patreon.com slash joe dudley senior. That's www.patreon.com slash joe dudley senior. The Dr. Jo L. Dudley senior legacy project is sponsored by every dot black, no dot net and no dot com. Just every dot black black is the new dot com.
3: We as a people have had to overcome slavery and secondly, obtain our civil rights. But the third piece is economic equality, and I'm convinced that we can only achieve economic equality through entrepreneurship with the use of technology. My name is Jimmy Davies, and that is why I created the Every.Black website for entrepreneurs. So visit us today at www.every.black, E-V-E-R-Y, dot l a c k. Learn about entrepreneurship and be on your way to financial freedom. Just go to every.black, E-V-E-R-Y, dot B-L-A-C-K. No.com, no.net. Just every Dot Black is the new dot com.